0: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily.
1: Welcome back into Purple Daily. Matthew Collar here and now joining me in studio. I think this is the first hour where I've gotten to lead the conversation. You get to play the role of analyst. Which I like. Myron Metcalf of ESPN. Myron, I'm excited for this.
0: It's going to be fun, man. Really looking forward to this, man. We're going to be doing this through the season on Fridays, right?
1: Yes, it'll be great because we could go around the league. connect can yeah. act as your prep because you are doing for ESPN Radio Sunday NFL. Congratulations yeah. on that. Appreciate I'm excited it. for you. Yes, yeah, going to be fun. So let's do a little around-the-league type of thing here. Sporting News did an article ranking the 32 NFL coaches top to bottom. Now, we don't even have to talk about number one, yeah. but you were not entirely on board with a lot of this list. So here's what I want to do, Myron. Yeah. I want to start reading names and rankings, and you just stop me when you've got a problem with Yeah. It, okay? okay? Let's go. Number one is the most obvious number one of all time. The king. Bill Belichick, yeah. another Super Bowl. Number two, Sean McVay.
0: So let's I, – I get why he's there based on what he's done, especially what he did last year. Get that 100%. But the guys around him, consistency is clearly a factor for those guys. So I wonder with Sean McVay, you know, does he start at two and then if the Rams struggle next season – does he get dropped seven or eight spots? I, I just think like consistency and longevity have to mean something with NFL coaches. Like NBA it's really easy to go, okay, I saw this team last year without you, I see this tier this team this year without you. Like, oh the Raptors, Dwayne Casey, Nick Nurse, clearly a different team. NFL's a lot different to me. Uh, more variables, I think. Well, and
1: he did inherit a really good situation, even though we didn't know that at the time. Yeah, but they had the rookie contract with the number one overall pick quarterback, yep. and they spent a buttload of money going out and getting receivers. And yep. Andrew Whitworth as their left tackle, Wade Phillips comes in as their defensive coordinator. Yep. That can't hurt because he's been successful all the way through his entire career on the defensive side. But where I would give McVay a lot of credit, though, is. I don't think it's always easy when you are that guy who's the youngest coach in the league. Definitely not. And you get talked about like, that. oh, this young genius guy. It's very easy for NFL veterans to be like, yeah, okay, let's see, buddy. But he went in there, and he got – Control of that locker room and empowered his veteran players. I remember him telling me one of the first things that he did. It was on a conference call before a game against the Vikings. One of the first things he did when he got there was he went to Andrew Whitworth and said, "I need you to help me. Like I, yeah. I have questions for you, and I need your help." I, that's the leadership guy. So I, I think that he's managed those things really well. Where I would understand if they were a little critical on him is he got out coached so badly in the Super Bowl. I mean, he just got he just got sunned by yeah. Bill Belichick, and you know I, I think that that is, is worth considering when you're ranking um, these coaches. That Bill Belichick was beaten the year before by Doug yep. Peterson and his staff, and then he goes up against McVay. Now, Jared Goff could make a few throws in that Super Bowl, but Definitely. still getting out coached that bad, I would I would have him still at number two. He's twenty four and eight. If they lose, if years. they
0: lose to the Saints, he's still there. If the pass interference That's a good call point. is made.
1: Is he still two? But number three on the list is probably two, if this happens, and that is Sean Payton. Yeah. Would you put Sean Payton above Sean
0: McVay? Sean Payton's number two for me, I feel like. Again, I'm a big consistency, longevity uh, guy in, in terms of what – I mean, for Breeze to play at that level, you, know, you have a guy, Mike Thomas, who who knew Mike was was that, Kamara. I mean, just that, that team to me uh, and the way that Breeze played – Sean Payton gets a lot of credit uh, for me. And I think, again, the, it's easy for us to go, bad calls are made every day. People miss calls and big games all the time. But this was a call that was so egregious that the NFL changed the rules right, to right. make sure that that can't happen again. So right. Sean Payton should have been there. I think Sean Payton is my number 2 guy. No problem with Sean McVay being top three yeah. or to four, but I, Payton, to me, is the number 2 guy on that list. Okay, the next one is
1: Andy Reid. You good with that?
0: Yeah, I think everybody... Is good with Andy at four. Three. So
1: here, so here's a question for you about that number two, three, and four offensive guru coaches. Two old school, one yeah. uh, one old soul, and Sean McVay. If if you were given the choice, if you were the owner of a team and you're hiring a new coach, and I'm offering you the offensive guru who is proven, like Andy yeah. Reid going to Kansas City, he is proven. If I'm giving you that, or if I'm giving you the defensive-minded coach who has operated a number one defense a few years in a row, so so they're great candidates, they're proven, they've been around, which one are you taking in today's NFL? Uh, this is not a leading question.
0: Yeah, today's NFL, I'm taking the offensive guru, uh, and my pick would probably be Andy Reid. If you told me 2005, you know those defensive coordinator types, you know, your Vic Fangio's guys like that, would make a lot of sense, but... I just think the NFL is becoming such a a complex league schematically, and you combine that with the talent we're seeing and just the way quarterbacks are playing. Like, you watch Mahomes and that controlled chaos that he played within, and you go, okay, he's this young throwing 50 touchdowns, 5,000 yards. And we keep having the conversation about, well, clearly he'll regress, right? What if this is the start of a guy who's going to try to go for 6,000 at some Hmm. point or 5,500 because he's just that good at a time in the NFL where the offenses continue to get better. So for me, I think you'd have to go on with an offensive guy in 2019. So what what I think about
1: with that is, of course, Mike Zimmer. Yeah, And we'll discuss him and where he ranks on this list. Uh, We'll get to that. But what Mike Zimmer has done from being a defensive play calling genius and building this team with a lot of defensive talent, many of the players of which he's helped uh, maximize all of their talents, what he's done is he's raised the floor for this team where unless something goes terribly wrong, you know that they're going to be in the mix and they're going to be competitive just simply based on that defense. But the lack of continuity on the offensive side, I think we've seen the negative effects of that with John D. Filippo last year. You go out and you hire some coordinator who's unproven and has had one year in Cleveland, the hot candidate of the time because they won the Super Bowl. He's the quarterback coach for Nick Foles. And you think it's going to work, But you lose Pat Shermer, and he's just gone, and that was the guy who probably last year could have gotten more out of this offense, but you don't get to keep those guys. If you are the offensive-minded head coach, and you can do all the other stuff, which Pat Shermer is in over his head, I think, a little bit with handling New York and the Giants and everything else. But if you're that guy who can handle all that other stuff of being the leader and the face of a franchise and you have the continuity, this is Pat Mahomes year three in the same exact offense and all their offensive linemen and all of their weapons, everybody with Andy Reid's offense. I think that there is value to that. Um, If you don't have a a defensive mind of the caliber and a roster of Mike Zimmer, then you have to go with the offensive side.
0: Yeah, and I think that's, to me, the the, the way that the NFL has gone. I mean, to Zimmer's credit, that's why you bring in a Kubiak. I mean, you're trying to be totally. able to bring in the fail-safes now, right? Like, that to me is who he is. You're bringing a guy where you go, I want two and three eyes on what we're doing offensively because it's that important. Like, I got defensively what we can do. You're bringing back Anthony Barr and some of the pieces that you'll have. But offensively, if this team can't click, like, I think those first five games will know exactly where they're headed based on what they do offensively.
1: Yeah, and that's uh, a conversation I want to get to a little later in the yeah. show of just how we feel like this team is going to gel because it was interesting to listen to Kevin Stefanski talk about how everyone knows Kirk Cousins now, and I, I got a little different spin on that yeah. than I think what he meant. So we'll get to that in a bit, but with this list, we're going through sporting news and their 32 coach rankings um, or ranking every NFL coach. Pete Carroll is next number five. You okay with that?
0: Yeah, I mean, if you look at what Russell Wilson did, the Legion of Boom was over, right? Still had a a, a respectable defense. Russell Wilson had a good year uh no I mean I don't know how many people can name anyone on that offense other than Russell Wilson like a casual fan probably can't name a lot of the guys he had Chris Carson believe the running back yep top five rushing yards I mean that's how they won with guys like that that's why I give Pete Carroll a lot of credit I go back and forth on Pete Carroll because I think
1: that Everything that they did to get to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl was totally legit and great coaching, great defensive coaching especially, and designing a roster exactly how they were going to play with these big, long cornerbacks and the great linebackers that they have. So I I give him credit for that. But with the offensive side, it was amazing what Russell Wilson was able to do last year. But also, I think they ran the ball so much that they hurt themselves. And hiring Brian Schottenheimer... He's no Marty Schottenheimer, right? I mean, everywhere he's gone, it's kind of been the same story. Like, oh, we're going to run the ball, and we're going to do some play action. And for the play action stuff, Wilson is so special. Yeah. If you get extra guys open using play action, that's great. But when you're running that much, they got to the playoffs, and Dallas has a great defense, and they're like, okay, great. Run all the time on yeah. second and ten, which statistically is the least efficient thing you could do in the NFL. And this guy's doing it over and over and over and over again. From from that standpoint, I would question Pete Carroll. I would also wonder if he kind of lost some of the guys along the way. And I'm sorry, Myron, I take points off for not giving it to Marshawn. You got to give it to Marshawn. <laughs> I know. I maybe it was Daryl Bevel's he fault. He still pays for you that. Got to give it to yeah. Marshawn. He'll
0: never he'll never escape that. and He shouldn't. I thought you were going to say you didn't have problems with him because I think he's a flat earther. I think he's a. Is he really? I think he's one of those conspiracy oh. theory guys. So you couple that with Marshawn Lynch, I understand why people, you know, maybe. Have a when did that with him. come back
1: again? Like I know the Kyrie the thing. Earth thing.
0: Yeah, was it with mostly with Kyrie Irving? I don't know. You know the internet man, Reddit does some weird stuff. You know, I think there's just like people who get on there. But my thing is like in, in 1950 or something. I, you know, you don't know. That's I don't know, man. Earth. When did they figure out? It was like the 1400s. Thought, Columbus. That's what I thought. Sailing the ocean blue, Clearly.
1: finding no out one, no one's round off
0: the edge of the earth. Like that would have been the thing. Like. You know, we sent 50 sailors across the ocean and we found just like their shoes, like near the edge of the ocean or something. No, no one fell off. That should have been the symbol. Man. Just the shoes. Just the shoes, you know. All right. Number six on
1: this list, because we could go on about the yeah. flat earth thing. There's pictures from space. That's what I'm saying, Three, man. My gosh.
0: How can you not believe those? <laughs> like, 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 come on. Uh, John
1: Harbaugh next on the list. What he did last year. I think he's been a great coach for a really long time. It is extremely hard to be this competitive for this long with all the roster changes, everything else, and in my mind, for many of those years, below average quarterback play from Joe Flacco. Not when they were in the playoffs and won the Super Bowl. He was unbelievable, but they have consistently found other ways to win without getting spectacular quarterback play. And then last year, to make the adjustment on the fly to Lamar Jackson was remarkable, and I
0: think he belongs way up there. I love what he did in terms of you got Lamar Jackson, and what's the talk about Lamar from the draft up until the point where he started to play? Can this guy play the position? Okay, if he does play it, how limited is he going to be? I do a show with Dan Orlovsky, the former NFL quarterback, and a lot of his talk was Lamar can't necessarily make some of the throws, you know, and there are just a lot of different challenges. I, I love how Harbaugh said, okay, we get that, and that's valid we're going to put him in a position to where he can shine. He can do what he does best. You know, we can limit the amount of risk he's going to take, and then we're going to rely on this defense that has been the best in the league, one of the best in the league. So I just think that, to me, is a sign of good coaching, to your point, adjusting, uh, and then putting a player at the most important position on the field in a situation where you're limiting the risks that he's going to take and you're winning games like that, who cares if Lamar Jackson is a five- or ten-year quarterback? Anybody care in Baltimore? You got to the playoffs last year yep. because of him. That's that all that matters. You can build off that.
1: So we talked about this a little earlier in the week, though. Are you are you a believer with Lamar? Because I, I look at kind of his background, yeah. and I think guys like that overachieve. Yeah. Somebody who's extremely committed and who's been through some things to get where he's at. I think that those guys are capable of doing more than you expect them to do. So I've always been a believer in Lamar Jackson. I also think that playmaking ability like that wins even if you can't throw the ball. Super great. I mean, not Michael Vick was not always accurate. Won a hell of a lot of games, though, on those teams. So I I think that Lamar is going to be a winner in the NFL. But it's going to take him staying healthy, and I worry about that a lot. And it's also going to have to take some patience, I think, from the Ravens organization because there will be bumps along the way, especially if they try to say, okay, no one's going to let you run like that anymore. Like with Tim Tebow, he ran the first year, caught everybody uh, by surprise, but then, okay, now you got to throw the football.
0: I think he can overcome it, though, and become a good quarterback. I don't know. I mean, I won't be shocked if last year was the ceiling. Um, I want to see him in year two with a full season. My question will be, much like Michael Vick, he experienced this, the adjustments that are coming, right? Because how could you adjust for a guy who came in midway through the season? Right. They yep. were playing this really, you know, they were running the ball a ton, and clearly with a guy like that, he's right there in that mix because of his playmaking ability. The defense played great. Can Lamar Jackson be a leader of that team? I don't know the answer to that. I don't think anybody does, but we'll see him in year two. But – I do think I had a chance to watch him live in Louisville um and you watch just the way he is with like normal elite athletes and you're like, oh this dude is not he's not from that neighborhood he's from the other neighborhood where the kid shows up and scores five touchdowns on you and your friends like that's to me who Lamar Jackson is from an ability standpoint uh but ability only takes you so far right in, yep. in the NFL and the and the reality is like most of the guys. Are like great passers right like that's that's what matters in the NFL is he that? can he be that I'm not sure
1: yeah, I think that there's a baseline for somebody who is that special with making plays because yeah. if you could go off schedule and run for fifty yards in a play uh, almost on a weekly basis, then I mean you're yeah. you know where you really see it is just third down and nine yeah they cover everybody, but whoops. He's got ten
0: yards. Mitch yep. Trubisky
1: did this to the Vikings. I don't know how many times last yep. year, and I don't think Tr- Trubisky is a very good thrower of the football either. Yeah, I, I think, think they're he's just mediocre. Yeah. yeah, for similar sure.
0: ceilings. I think they have.
1: Yep, and um but that that will keep you in the lead yep. for a while if you can do that. So we're running through this list from Sporting News of ranking all 32 uh, NFL coaches, and we've only gotten through six because it's a good conversation with yeah. Myron Metcalf. Um, number seven is Doug Peterson. Should he be higher for beating Belichick in a
0: Super Bowl? Man, that's got to That's got to come for something. I just don't know who he goes uh, like who he tops. Like who does he? Could he go ahead of Pete Carroll for not running Marjan? Uh If that's his only mistake, you know, <laughs> I feel like Pete I can't Carroll let honestly. Go. If you look at how they ran the ball and what Russell Wilson did and that the talk was it's over. I mean, the talk about Seattle was it's over. Mm -hmm. You know, and if anything, Pete Carroll said, no, we got a lot of life left. Um, Maybe ahead of Pete Carroll, but it's just hard. Those top, like three through seven is hard, you know, for me. That's a difficult arrangement.
1: I think so far we're at, I would take any one of these guys as my head coach. They're all accomplished. They're all great, and you're in good position with any of them. But the next one is where I think we're going to start getting into some disagreement in, in the middle section. So Mike Zimmer does not crack the top seven. Where does he rank? We're going to continue this conversation, also talk a little bit about the Vikings in locker room chemistry and what Kyle Rudolph's role Might be in that with his uh, contract situation. We will continue to discuss. Myron Metcalf in here. Purple Daily on a beautiful Friday, finally, (laughs) in Minnesota. We will return in just a moment here on Purple Daily on Score North. All right, welcome back here to Purple Daily. Matthew Collar, ESPN's Myron Metcalf in the studio. Very excited all season long. Uh, when we finally get there. Yeah. I was just realizing, Myron, the other day, how long we have to go before we play a real football game.
0: Yeah, it, it's this is like the tough time of the sports season if you're a sports fan, which is why I wonder, you know, I, I know the, the what was it, not the AFL, it was the uh, American football league. AAF. AAF, sorry, right? Yeah. But the XFL, to me, if they've got something interesting in this time of year, I'll take it. So I had a theory about that. With
1: football, though, because I know for me and you, yeah. we're like, all right, get us some football, man. Let's yeah. go. But I think football fans love how football is designed now with 16 games, because we were discussing this with the 18-game thing. Yeah. 16 games, 16 extremely stressful weeks, Yeah, unbelievably stressful playoffs for fans all right, give me that break. Then the off season is fun. We can talk about what we're going to be maybe next year, all these things. Yeah. And then by the end of the summer, you get your vacations to the cabin up north. Yeah. You're all set. Everyone's going back to school. You settle back in. All right. We got football again. I, that would be my argument against the 18 game schedule. Cause I don't think the fans necessarily want more. I think yeah. they like it how it is. And I, I, I don't think either when the Super Bowl ends, I think everyone exhales like, all right. Okay. That was a lot. It was a lot to process yeah. right there. Yeah. Another season. Who's in free agency? I'll get to the draft eventually, but let me let me just take a little decompress here. They don't want to go, oh, yeah, let me get into another football league. Yeah.
0: I don't think so. I, I think they kind of want their a little bit of a pause. I think the XFL has two choices. One, just be so crazy and have so many wild rules, like fans can throw a pass from the stands, like stuff like that. <laughs> or get adopted by an NFL team. Like to me, an NFL affiliation. Oh, yeah.
1: That'd I think the that's thing. the if goal. If you
0: told me that there were a bunch of guys who either didn't play a town with the Vikings, practice squad guys, guys who'd come into training camp, didn't make the team, were all on this XFL squad, vying to get into training camp, vying to get noticed, I'd watch. Especially with quarterbacks to me. Yeah. Okay. Now, I'll buy that. I, I don't. The problem is the union's never going to agree to letting. Guys, go playing this other season with risk getting hurt, but the NFL doesn't
1: need it either. Like, no, why NFL doesn't need anything? Why, why should we pour money into you if we don't believe you're ever going to be? They that it. big, and then if they made him that big, then it's Vince McMahon. I mean, do you trust him not to break off after you invest all yeah. that money? I, you know, I I wouldn't trust him with a twenty dollar sure, bill right sure. now if I left the room. So. Very true. Anyway, so what we've been discussing, Myron and I, here on Purple Daily this afternoon is sporting news ranking of all 32 coaches in 2019. I'll give you the ones we went over in case you missed it. Bill Belichick, number one. Sean McVay, number two. Sean Payton, number three. Then Andy Reid, Pete Carroll, and John Harbaugh, Doug Peterson at seventh. That's as far as we got. And we're both pretty good with those. I would shuffle maybe a little, but you're kind of nitpicking at that point. Here's where it starts to get a little bit wonky on this list. Mike Tomlin, Myron, who right now is, I think, on the hottest of hot seats in Pittsburgh, which is almost impossible because they never fire coaches. Yeah,
0: There's to me, considering the disaster of last season, there's no way he's a top-ten coach. I mean, you can't. And I know he's got the Super Bowl, and you can't rank him on that list. If you have a Sean McVeigh at two, which is sort of this recency bias, and you're, you're basing this score to what's happened recently. There's just no, to me, no way to say Tomlin is a top-ten coach right now. That's the biggest disaster in the NFL. Antonio Brown, the way Roethlisberger played, to me, in critical stretches. Uh, you know, you lose Le'Veon Bell, he doesn't show up. But that team just had a lot of problems that you expect a coach to handle, and he just didn't do it.
1: And this has kind of gone on for a few years. It's been bubbling up to this. Yeah. And and the fact that no one in the organization, and maybe this isn't Mike Tomlin's fault, but no one in the organization can challenge or is allowed to challenge Ben Roethlisberger That's is, a uh, it's a big issue. And I also don't think, I mean, like, like they've had some decent offenses, some decent defenses, but I don't think that they've been really spectacular on either side of the ball. And when you go back to that playoff game against the Jaguars, that was one of the worst coached games I can remember. It was terrible. The fact that it still stands out to me now that you botched that game so badly as a head coach and let the Jaguars go to the AFC Championship, I'm not ranking him that high either. No. Now the next guy on the list I really like, Anthony Lynn from the Los Angeles Chargers. Of course – They got run out of the building by the Patriots. They are not the first team to ever do that in the postseason in New England. So I don't necessarily uh, take a huge amount off for him, but they really handed it to Baltimore in the playoffs. And the two years since he's been there, they have turned themselves back into a uh, perennial competitor in the, uh, in the AFC West, and it's been a long time since they were. They had that lull in the post Slodanian Tomlinson era. Yeah. I think Anthony Lynn's done a spectacular job there.
0: I think with Anthony Lynn, if you start from the second half of the 2017 season through last year, other than the Patriots, the, the Chiefs, you're not going to find many teams that have been better than the Chargers during that stretch. I mean, what he did in 2017, which I think they lost their first four games. They did, yeah. And then he goes on that miraculous run that was kind of overlooked. No one really cared. And then last year, you look at what happened, what they were able to do. Anthony Lynn, to me, I'm putting him over Mike Tomlin. If we're talking about the now, who would you want right now? Would you rather want Mike Tomlin or Anthony Lynn right now? Well, I don't think there's any conversation. I think it's Anthony Lynn right now. I think Anthony Lynn is a step or two too low.
1: And Tomlin might be a victim of just being there for too long. Same thing with Mike McCarthy. Like I, I totally believe Mike McCarthy was a great coach at one time, but you just wear out your welcome. This is yeah. one of the reasons that we don't see coaches last that long, and Anthony Lynn's still fresh in Los Angeles. But, I mean, that's just such a complicated situation with Pittsburgh, and I think that he is in in very large part responsible, and so is the quarterback, and so is the organization, all the way to the top and the way they're run. But it's not like his hands are clean there for not reining that all in, and you end up having to trade one of the best players in the NFL yep. that he basically staged uh, a bunch of social media efforts to get himself away from you well it, it it's started, not great
0: and it started with tomlin allowing him to stay in an airbnb during training camp <laughs> while everybody else is yeah. on campus yeah. And that how, hey how do you want to rein in your top talent your top diva well yeah let him stay at an airbnb off campus and treat everyone else uh differently that's a good way to get control of the locker room
1: next guy on the list I have a lot of love for because this is my backup quarterback, okay? okay? This is the guy that I want as QB2. Never QB1, gotcha. gotcha. but QB2 for my life growing up. And that's Frank Reich, yeah. the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. After one season, he cracks the top 10, Myron.
0: Yeah. Too soon? Well, here's the problem I have. We we can't be trusted in terms of our assessments after the seasons with a lot of these guys. One in five, Frank Reich? is a disaster. One in five, Frank Reich, is a guy where everyone's going. Wait a minute. Not only is this guy losing games, he's got the audacity to go for it on fourth down. Good call. Jeopardize Still call. his team. You Love know? call. So, in a year where you go, you cannot waste Andrew Luck in his comeback year. That one in five start was nasty. My other thing is this, and I know in that stretch they lost to New England, uh, they lost to Houston, uh, they lost to Philly on the road, I think their opening loss, though, too, was the Cincinnati, and then I think they lose at New York. Um, the rest of that schedule, when they go nine and one, there's some cupcakes on there, Collar. Mm-hmm. You know, there were yep. some cupcakes on that on that list uh, for Frank. Good job. I'll give him credit for that. Top ten job. I'm not convinced, especially when Chris Ballard's the guy who drafts Quentin Nelson, who reshapes that offensive line. Chris Ballard's the guy that gets Darius Leonard out of South Carolina State, finds out that he's an all-pro talent. Those, to me, are the things that you have to take into account when it comes to Frank.
1: Okay, I I am all right with agreeing with all of your points, but again, he led the greatest comeback in history (laughs) as the backup quarterback, so let's not forget (laughs) that. Oh, Here's what I like about Frank Reich. I know that the offensive line was a big thing for how much they changed the personnel. They drafted yeah. not only Quentin Nelson, but Braden Smith as well. And they stack up this offensive line, so they're way better than they were. But the other thing about that, too, is Frank Reich entirely revamped their offensive system to go from Chuck it's Pagano true. True. and antiquated. He was doing the North Turner nine-step drops things, yeah. and Andrew Luck is getting sacked like crazy with a bad offensive line. And then he reins that in and goes to a more modern offense. And maybe it would have been easy for anyone to improve what they had there in terms of offense. But um, you know, so, so they they go to this t- entirely different system that works perfectly for Andrew Luck. And you get, in my mind, a, a top five, six, seven quarterback season from Andrew Luck that he maximizes his full potential there. Yeah, I, I give Frank Reich a lot of credit for that. But you're right about that tough start being able to turn around, yeah. get a win, beat Houston. I think I think all that's impressive. I don't know if I I would say top ten yet with one season, but it was clear to me that it wasn't just roster, it was also coaching.
0: Yeah, I've heard Tomlin's name. I've heard Frank Reich's name. There are some names I haven't heard yet in the top ten, and I'm getting concerned.
1: Yeah, and that's what I was going to ask you about. So Mike Zimmer hasn't been brought up yet. Do you think
0: Mike Zimmer is a top ten coach? I do. I, I mean, to me – uh. I think right now, I'd put him right there with Tomlin, if not above him. I think you can make the case in terms of consistency, longevity. He's right there with an Anthony Lynn, um, considering all the change he's had to deal with. You know, you lose your, you fire your coordinator midway through the season, new quarterback. Um, and I don't think anyone looks at last year and goes, that's a terrible franchise. I think everybody oh, looks yeah, at last sure. year and goes, that's a team that's got to get out of its own way. Yep. And once they do that, they'll be fine. There weren't a lot of people who are going, Zimmer is clearly the issue here. And I think that's a good sign when people trust your leader.
1: I think over five years when it, we look at the big picture on Mike Zimmer and your worst record is 7-9, and, and that was a huge turnaround from the yeah. year before. And one draw away, one tie away from that being different. And your best season is 13-3, and three and you are in the NFC Championship game. Yeah. You have done a really great job overall with your coaching job that he worked for so long to get, didn't get till he was 58 years old, yeah. and finally gets that head coaching job, and he's 47-32-1, and, one. and yeah. you're right about, you know, you get a field goal in the Packers game, you're at least in the playoffs. Last year, I felt like Zimmer got a ton of criticism at the end of last year, and my thought was, you know, you can't ask every head coach to do everything on every side yeah. of the ball. He is the defensive head coach that is going to maximize what your defense does. They were fourth in the NFL in, in yards against last year, and they were they would have been much better than ninth in points if Kirk Cousins hadn't thrown pick sixes and fumbles and yeah, things like the that. Issue. I, to me, it was the offensive side of the ball ranking nineteenth, and that's just not Mike Zimmer's side, but Sean McVay's side isn't defense. Yeah. he leaves that entirely to Wade Phillips, but nobody ever brings that up. I think because of his sheer ability to raise the floor of a team to being a playoff contender every year on his defensive ability makes him one of the best coaches. I would say this, though, Myron. After 2016 and some of the stuff that happened last year, those are not horrible seasons. 8-7-1, and 8-8. and not not where you're supposed to be, but those are not horrible seasons. Yeah, and there was a lot of Mike Zimmer meltdowns. I mean, there was criticizing yep. Anthony Barr. There was last year the stuff for weeks we knew John D. Filippo was getting fired. Yeah, because he was criticizing
0: him openly in the media. The Case Keenum stuff didn't help him.
1: No, it it didn't either. With you know, saying that Case Keenum had a rabbit's foot around his neck or horseshoe around his neck, whatever, like sometimes talk about get out of your own way is if he could just go into a press conference and not throw anyone under the bus or not manipulate some of his players in a negative way, he would be even higher on this list for me.
0: Yeah, to me, if his greatest burden right now is the way he treated Case Keenum and made it clear that this is not my preference. Yep. This is not the guy, my kind of guy, but he's what we have. I mean, imagine being in a relationship like that. Or imagine having, you know, I've got kids. Like, oh, you're, your kids are great. Not what I prefer. I'd rather one of you were <laughs> better at basketball. Like, that's what Zimmer did to Case Keenum. And then he set up, wait until my guy arrives. Oh, he's Kirk Cousins. Wait a minute. You struggle with your guy. Yep. So I think there was a different way for him to handle it. And there would be a, a different perception. I think that knocked him down a few pegs. But in terms of consistency and winning, Sorry. When I see Mike Tomlin's collapse, when I see Frank Reich after one year, go one and five, and then he has that strong finish, yeah, good. Can he continue to do it? Um, even Anthony Lynn has had a great run here. Can he continue to do that? Uh, I think Zimmer deserves a spot among the top ten. I'm curious who's who's in front of him, man.
1: So we have, after that, um, number ten being Frank Reich, and then after that is Matt Nagy. I thought did a spectacular job last year He's with Chicago. He's top ten. Chicago. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, Mitch Trubisky, I just, like, watching him on tape last year, going into those Vikings games, the number of throws that this guy missed and the number of times where big yardage was gained off very easy throws, I thought that said a lot about Man Nagy. And, I mean, he's kind of Andy Reid Jr. with this, where he could take a quarterback who's decent, like Alex Smith, and make him good. He could take someone who's good, like Donovan McNabb or Pat Mahomes, and make them great. And that says a lot about him. Twelve and four. I mean, your stupid kicker misses a field goal from forty-three. Otherwise, you know they got a chance to go to the Super Bowl. So I, Matt Nagy, I think I'd put a little bit higher
0: myself. Is he hurt by Khalil Mack? The fact that people see him as this one-man wrecking crew and
1: Vic Fangio. I mean, the yeah. de-
0: the defense was such a huge part of that. That I mean, his offense was
1: good, yeah. but it wasn't like they were top three in the league. No. Uh, after that, Jason Garrett. I don't know. At twelve. At twelve. I don't know. Jason Garrett's ahead of Zimmer? One step ahead of Zimmer. Zimmer is 13. Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett, who was going
0: to get fired last year. Who was supposed to be fired. Right, yeah. Who had to get a new old coordinator, threw him under the bus. Jason Garrett's 12th. There's just no way. He has has gotten progressively worse since 2016. Like, like, this is not a. Save for that defense that held him, you know, kept him alive in in a bunch of close games to me quarterback development matters a lot right yep there is no metric that shows that Dak Prescott has improved from his rookie season he's gotten worse he's not been a better player overall you got to put that on Jason Garrett yeah that's the guy who's responsible for helping him improve and you got Dak Prescott going into a crucial year where people are going do we give him a hundred million dollars I don't know um I just don't see how he's over Zimmer He's even top 12,
1: man. I can't disagree with you. I mean, for a guy that most people thought was just on his way out last year to have Should've him been. where he is. Uh, yeah, I think that they could take a step forward there. Before we move on from this conversation, because I really enjoy articles like this offseason. Let's rank yeah. everything. Um, who? What is your guess for who is ranked last that is not a new head coach. So, of course, they're going to rank the new head coaches last. Where else do you put him? you got to put him at the bottom. You couldn't say Cliff Kingsbury is 8 yeah. when he hasn't coached yet. So, they have him at 32. Fair, he hasn't coached yet. Who do you think is dead last for coaches who have experience?
0: Man, is, is Doug Maroney going to be in there? Yeah, that's a great guess. Is, uh, He's 27th, and boy, does he, he deserve it. Is he there? Is he there?
1: He's 27th, so that's – oh, yeah, no, I didn't tell you how deep. Uh, It goes to 29 for
0: guys who are – There are two guys below Maroney? Two guys with experience below Maroney?
1: Okay, I I presented that wrong to you. There's one guy with experience below Doug
0: Maroney. There's so many bad coaches who got fired or left, like Marvin Lewis and so many guys. I cannot think of who would be – Think connection. Think local
1: connection. Local –
0: not Shermer.
1: Pat Shermer, yep. Whoa! I would put Doug Marone (laughs) last, personally, but he did have a season where he got to the AFCJ. You think he
0: regrets it, Shermer? Mm,
1: Probably, like, put an extra wing on the house, being a head coach, (laughs) but yes, I think he probably does. Especially if they go one and five and he gets blown out, he'll say, I never should have left Minnesota.
0: He'll get fired, right? I mean, that situation. Oh,
1: yeah. I think so. I think he is already on the hot seat now because what the GM is going to do first to self preserve is get rid of the head coach. That's just how it goes. So, okay. Well, this has been fun. I want to briefly before I let you go and then we turn things over to Mackie and Judd with Rami. I, uh, I want to discuss a little bit about the state of the Vikings locker room slash culture and what our feelings are on it as it's a little bit of tension going into this next season we'll take a quick break we'll be right back you are listening to purple daily here on score north final segment here of the week of purple daily uh this was our first all football week so we've had a ton of fun and i've enjoyed working with you myron for our first hour together we're going to do this every friday looking Looking forward to that so let's wrap up on this note myron In 2017, Brian Robinson told me not too long ago on the show that it was a locker room like he had never seen before. Those guys were so incredibly close. Of course, it does correlate with winning, but I don't think it was just that. I think this was a unique bunch of human beings. Last year, B-Rob is gone, Terrence Newman is gone, Teddy Bridgewater, Case Keenum, and Everson Griffin has his issues that he's dealing with. I felt like things were on much more rocky ground when they started to break down and the team had much less resilience than they did. And that might be the confirmation bias for sure because it didn't work out. But even going into Week 17, there was a feeling like, yeah, they could blow this one because this team just does not have that mental toughness as before. With this Kyle Rudolph thing, he's supposed to be one of the leaders of the team and it makes it much harder when it's one of those faces of the team that is dealing with a contract issue. What is your feeling... On the the state of the culture and where they are with kind of a, a really important year for everybody, front
0: office, head coach, and a lot of star players coming up. Yeah, well, I don't I don't think they're the team that's dancing in the locker room like the Saints. You know, they they, they don't necessarily have the same resolve of a team like the Patriots. I feel like um, I'll tell you this: I don't know how much fun the Vikings had last year. I don't look at that as a team that I thought really enjoyed the journey. Now, when you don't make the playoffs, that that's a part of it. But I never thought that this was a team that had really rallied around Kirk Cousins, embraced him, and then vice versa. I remember Pants on the Ground, Brett Favre, right? You <laughs> yes, know? yes. And just that endearing moment where you're like, they love this dude. Come on, Jerry! Yeah, they love yep. this dude. Like – And I remember something, you know, when I was in the locker room, like Brett just had a. There was a certain vibe that he had, and you hear that about Teddy Bridgewater as well. This locker room doesn't strike me as necessarily having that. Winning changes that. That's the number one thing. Yep, they've had a lot of new pieces to deal with. I mean, if you're on that offense and you lose your coordinator midway through the year, you got a new quarterback. That's a lot of adjustment. But I wonder if they can get back to having that sense of. I think being more relaxed. They didn't seem to put that kind of pressure on themselves under Case Keenum that they did last year. And, I, and Zimmer's on that too, right? He's got to be a part of Oh, that. absolutely. And I think a big part of that is, now look, I mean, you could try
1: all you want to ignore Super Bowl or bust, but it was said every single Definitely. week last year in training camp, building up to that season. So when they miss the field goal in Green Bay, and then when they lose to Buffalo, that's early in the season. And yeah. I, I think that a team that wasn't putting a lot of pressure on itself would have said, hey, look, it's just just a blip on the radar. But even when guys were saying that, I wasn't believing that from their mouths. Yeah. It was like, I see some panic in you guys already for this loss. Like, oh, man, this might be the kind of team we are this season that comes up short when we're not supposed to. And uh I don't think a lot has changed with the locker room to make that different. But I will say this. I think that some guys were caught by surprise of how different Kirk Cousins was in his style and approach to the other quarterbacks that they had dealt with. Even Sam Bradford was kind of a different cat, but I don't think he upset anyone. I mean, he, you yeah. he would go into a post-game press conference and he would give you kind of his takeaway on everything, but I think guys were taken aback and a little surprised by Kirk Cousins being a different type of person than these other quarterbacks, especially you mentioned Teddy and how close everyone was with him. That's who they're comparing it to. That's like if you had the great girl and then she dumped you and then you're looking for her again. Like, okay, well you're not her, but now it's, you're used to the fact that she leaves the toothpaste tube open every time. You're used to the fact that... I love when she that, does that. You know, like, you're used to some of the warts no. that exist with Kirk
0: Cousins, and I think this year they will be able to deal with it better. That's the test, though, because if you can't deal with that and the expectations that come with it, there are going to be a lot of problems, and their perception of this franchise will be completely different. So I think it's on Zimmer, I think it's on Cousins. To to make it, make it right, um, the team that played with Case Keenum with no expectations... They loved it, man. This team didn't seem to have that same vibe, and I think they got to turn that around. And they, they won't this year. They will not have a
1: loosey-goosey, hey, yeah. we're surprising the world, look at us. They're not going to have that because they still have the – it's not Super Bowl or bust. It's playoffs where everyone's fired.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah. I mean, not yeah. That it, Actually, I always kind of push back against the or bust because I thought, well, they're not going to can everyone if they go 8-8, eight and eight, and they didn't. But this year they will. Everyone's gone. Yeah, oh, they'll clean house if they don't make the playoffs. I agree. As they should.
0: Man, this is fun. It yeah, is fun, man. I'm looking forward to Every it. Every
1: Friday we're going to break down football, and when we get to football season, we're just going to go game to game to game, yeah. help you prep for your weekend duties. Happy for you on that. So check out Myron ESPN Radio, ESPN.com. If it's got ESPN, it's probably got <laughs> Myron next to it. And uh, we will... Catch you next week. Enjoy your summer weekend and be careful. This I heard this the other day. This is when most people get in accidents, the, you know, like around the years, when it yeah. first turns to summer. So be careful everyone. Definitely. And coming up next is Mackie and Judd with Rami here on Score North.